This week, we're going to continue the series, The Moral of the Story. There are about 30 parables or stories recorded in the Bible that Jesus used to teach spiritual truths. And there are three that are repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That makes those significant, but it also makes those familiar. We're going to look at one of those today. It's the parable of the sower. And we're going to look at it in Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bible or Bible app and you'd like to follow along, I urge you to turn there, Mark chapter 4. I recently read a book about a collection of historical letters. And one of those letters was from Abraham Lincoln that he wrote when he was in his 20s and he was single. He wrote a letter to a friend describing a personal dilemma. He lived in Illinois at the time, and his family was friends with the Owens family in Kentucky. And the Owens family reached out to him, and they wanted to know if he would marry their youngest daughter named Mary. And he had met her years before, but he was more acquainted with the older sister, Elizabeth. And he knew Elizabeth to be attractive and pleasant. And he assumed that Mary would be the same. So he agreed to marry her. And so there came a time that they were going to meet, and they were going to have a courtship, and then he was going to propose, and they were going to get married. But he met her, and then he said she wasn't anything like what he imagined. She wasn't attractive or pleasant. So now he has this dilemma. Does he be honest and tell her how he really feels, Or does he keep his promise and ask her to marry him? Well, he decided personal integrity was more important than personal feelings. So he got up his courage and he asked Mary to marry him. And she said, no, there was no way she could marry a man as hideous looking as him. This was an outcome that he had not considered. And so I want you to think about it. Sometimes as we look at stories and they're familiar to us, our mind automatically goes to the conclusions we had before. But today when we look at the parable of the story, I want you to be open and let God speak new truth to us, maybe something that we haven't considered before. So if you look at Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, it says, Jesus says, listen to this. The sower went out to sow, and some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, fortunately for us, about 10 verses later, Jesus explains what this parable means. He said, the sower sows the word, but when it fell on the hard ground, Satan came and snatched it away before they could hear. This describes a person who is in the hard soil. This describes a person who has no interest in spiritual things. Do you know anyone like that? But then the story continues. It says, the sower sowed and some seed fell on the rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. And because there wasn't depth of soil, it immediately sprang up. But when the sun had risen, it was scorched. 
and because it had no root, it withered away. This describes a person whose understanding of God is very superficial. It's all on the surface. They don't understand the deep things of God. They do not understand what it means to have a relationship with God. Jesus describes this person as as soon as troubles come and afflictions come and persecution, that they fall away. But he goes on to say, as the sower continued to sow, some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it out, and they bore no crop. He describes this person as unfruitful. This is a person who has no commitment to Jesus Christ. They understand the relationship, but they're distracted by the things of this world. He said, because of the desires of riches, the worries of this life, or the desire for other things, they become unfruitful. But then we know that some seed fell on the good soil. And on the good soil, it says it bore a crop, and it increased, and it was fruitful for 30, 60, and 100-fold. Jesus describes this person as someone who heard the Word of God, and they accepted it, and received it, and took it in. We like the good soil, because it's in the good soil where even I can have peace even in the middle of a storm, because I know Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. It's in the good soil where I can stand firm and have victory through faith, knowing that the one that is in me is greater than the one that is in the world. It is in the good soil where I can delight in the law of the Lord, and I can meditate on it day and night, and I'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which will bear its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever I do, I will prosper. It is in the good soil where I can behold the glory of the Lord, and I am being transformed to that same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. It is in the good soil where God is bringing forth in me spiritual fruit, and I'll bear out love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You see, it is in the good soil that I can press on to that upward calling, knowing that he that began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. We like being in the good soil. But this parable is fairly easy to understand that as we go out into the world and we share our faith, we share the Word of God, we know that we're going to encounter some people who have a hardness of heart, and they don't want to hear the Word of God. And we know that some people, they're like in that rocky soil. They're just on the surface. They don't want to understand the deep things of God. And then we also know there's some people who are going to be uncommitted. They're not willing to commit their life to Him. But we also know there's going to be some people who are in the good soil, and they'll receive it and accept it. Four kinds of people, four kinds of responses. This was difficult for the disciples to understand, for their understanding with seed was valuable. It cost money. It was precious. It sustained life. And you wouldn't just indiscriminately throw seed around and let it land wherever you wanted it to. You wouldn't waste seed on hard soil but you would take the seed to the good soil. So this was difficult for them to understand. And then I had to realize, if I'm in the good soil, I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I have to think about it that I used to be over there. 
I used to be in the hard soil. And so what got me from there to here? What was that process that brought me from the hard soil to the good soil? And so then I start to think about this parable, instead of thinking about it being four different people, think about it as being one person. And it's one person's journey from the hard soil to the good soil. And then when you think about that process, then I can clearly understand what the moral of the story is. The moral of the story is that only Jesus can take someone and cultivate the soil over time and make it good. There is no other name that man can be saved except for Jesus. Only Jesus can take someone from the hard soil to the good soil. And the great thing about this is Jesus wants to use us in this process. He wants to use us to help bring people from there to here. To bring people from the hard soil to the good soil. But if we're going to do that, there's a few things we need to understand. But first I want you to think about if you're in the good soil, can you think of somebody you know who's over there? in the hard soil, or they're away from God, maybe someone in your family, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, maybe somebody in school, and maybe those people are hard to love. But there's two things you need to understand, two realities. The first reality is God desires for all men to be saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. We need to understand that that person that's way over there, God desires for him to be saved just as much as he desired us to be saved. He, desire, he loves that person just as much as he loves us. And so when we encounter, encounter people as we go through life, we need to recognize God loves them and God is drawing them through an everlasting love to himself. The second thing we need to understand is that all things are possible with God. No matter how far away they are, God can take them over time and bring them to the good soil. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so as my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What seems impossible to us is possible with God. What doesn't make sense to us that we would throw good seed after bad soil makes perfect sense to God. Because as he says, if I'm going to bring someone from there to here, he's going to go meet them where they are. The great thing about that passage in Isaiah 55 is just two verses later in verse 11. It says, my word will not return void. So what seems impossible for us, God's way is I'm going to go meet them and I'm going to cultivate my word in the bad soil. And over time, Jesus is going to bring them to the good soil. So how does he do that? And how do we participate in that? Well, there's four things I want you to understand today. The first thing is we need to pray. 
As the sower went out to sow, the very beginning of this parable, seed fell on the hard ground, and it says that Satan came and snatched it up. That tells us that this is a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against worldly forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is a spiritual battle. And the only way we're going to be able to participate in this journey, bringing somebody from here to the good soil, is through prayer. And we need to specifically pray for them by name. Many of y'all know that I do a weekly discipleship class at the state penitentiary. And several years ago, I had a man in my class. His name was Jack. He got saved while he was incarcerated. And he came to class one day, and he looked a little depressed. And I said, Jack, what's the matter? And he pulls a letter out of his Bible, and he says, I just got this letter from my wife. She says, she's waited for me for two years, but she's not going to wait another five. She's already talked to an attorney. She's going to file for divorce. She's going to take custody of my kids. And he goes, and I just don't know what to do. And I said, Jack, does your wife know Jesus Christ in a personal way? And he said, no. And I said, well, then we know what to pray for. We need to pray that she'll know him. And we need to pray specifically that somebody will cross her path and share the love of Jesus Christ with her. And then the very next class, he comes into class, and I asked Jack, I said, have you heard from your wife? And he says, yes, I was able to have a phone call with her yesterday. And this past week, she was taking the trash out to the street, and a neighbor came over to her and invited her to church. And she went. And not only did she go, he said that God overwhelmed her, and she surrendered her life to Jesus Christ. And she was forever changed. And she said, she says, I'm going to wait for you another five years. I'm not going to get a divorce. We're going to be a family again because she has been changed for all eternity. That's what prayer can do. And so we need to get serious. If we want to see people move from the hard soil to the good soil, we need to get serious about praying specifically for them. The other thing as we go through life and we encounter people, we need to understand what soil they're in. And the way you do that, or the way I do that, is I usually ask them a, a few spiritual kinds of questions. I'll make a spiritual statement such as, isn't this a great day that God has made? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Or I might say, I went to church last week and I heard this incredible sermon about the father's heart and the prodigal son. And then I watch and I listen to see how they respond. And if they respond in a negative way, or they get hostile, or they shut me down and tune me out, then I know they're in the hard soil. But then I know how to pray for them. Then I know what to do for them. Because someone in the hard soil, they don't want to hear about God they need to see God. And so when you encounter someone there, what you need to do is you want to show them the love of Jesus through action that leads them to a desire for God. Notice what it says in 1 Peter. It says, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, they will glorify God one day. Because they saw what you did 
and they saw your behavior, that led them from the hard soil toward the good soil. So we need to show them the love of Christ. I've shared a story with many of you before about a a friend of mine named Bill. Bill and I went to the state penitentiary, and we were going to go talk to the men that are in solitary confinement. And we went into that cell block, and we started talking to the first man. And you have to understand the cell has a solid steel door. It has a window about this big, and you can look through the window. But if you talk to them, you have to talk through the crack in the door. You have to put your ear to the edge of the door to listen. It is very difficult to have a conversation. And if there's any other noise, it's almost impossible. So we started having a conversation with the first man. But as soon as we had that conversation, another inmate, several cells away, he starts screaming and yelling at the top of his lungs. He starts blaspheming God. He says, God this, Jesus that, filled with all sorts of profanity. And he's just screaming. And Bill looks at me and he says, well, we can't talk to anybody else, so let's go see him. And we go down to his cell, and I look through the window, and it is the biggest man I had ever seen. And he has his head bent over, and he's shaking his head. He's slobbering out of his mouth, and he's just screaming out all of this profanity, blaspheming God. And I think after a few minutes, he realized we were there, and he turns and he points his finger to the door, and he says, you remind me of the first person I killed. And I said, Bill, I think he's talking to you. But then, he, it wouldn't do me any good to try to share the gospel with him because he was in the hard soil. He needed to see God. And the only act of kindness I could think of to do for him is I asked him, can I pray for you? And he walked over to the door. He put his head down, and I prayed for him. I don't remember what I said. All I remember is that he got quiet, and he was quiet the rest of the time we were there. And Bill and I were able to go visit every inmate in that cell block. And if I remember correctly, we had three men except Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what God can do. But we need to go out into the world and try to understand where people are at and meet them at their need. So if someone is in the hard soil, we need to show them the love of Jesus. But if I, if I share something spiritual to somebody and they respond in a positive way, then I assume they're in the rocky soil. Their understanding of God may be superficial, They may know about God, but they don't know God. When my youngest daughter was in high school, she was kind of a high-fashion kind of girl. She was voted best-dressed in her class. I didn't know there was such a thing. But she had a compassion and a heart to look out at people around her and see people that many other people may not pay any attention to. And there was one boy, his name was David, and she reached out and became a friend with him. And I remember at night where she would pray for David's salvation. And I would hear her make those prayers. And I came home from work one day, and there were two boys, teenagers, sitting on my front porch, smoking. 
And I went up to them, and one of them was David. And David says to me, he says, we didn't want to smoke inside, so we came outside. And I said, I appreciate that. I said, when you get done, come on inside. But I go on inside, and when I get inside, there's two more boys in there. And you've got to understand, these are teenage boys, and they have tattoos all down both arms. They have all of these kinds of piercings. And I'm not saying any of this to make any judgment about any of those things. I tell you that so you understand they're different than me. I don't smoke. I don't have tattoos. I don't have pierced body parts. But they did. And until we start to have compassion on people that are different than us, we're not going to be able to make an impact to the world around us. We need to see people the way God sees them, that he loves them, and his desire is to move them from the hard soil to the good soil. And we need to reach out to people that are especially, that are different than us, no matter what that difference may be. And then over time, David would come to our house and my daughter would share God's word with him. And then I remember one night he was there and he came to me and he said, can you tell me what it means to be a Christian. So someone in the rocky soil, their understanding is at the very high level. They need to understand the gospel. Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. That at some point we need to be able to tell people what they need to know. We need to speak the truth so that they'll have the knowledge of what a love relationship with God really means. And I told David very four simple things. And you can use Scripture if you want to, but this is what you need to tell him. I said, David, you need to know that you are valued and loved by God and that he created you to have a relationship with him. But you also need to understand that by our very nature that we are self-centered and that separates us from the presence of a holy God. But God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross as that perfect sacrifice, that punishment for our disobedience. And then that Jesus, that God raised Jesus again from the grave and that he's alive and that we can have a relationship with God because he lives. That's what it means to be a Christian, to have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I said, David, don't believe this because I tell you it's true. Don't believe it because my daughter tells you it's true. You go home and you think about it and you let God speak to your heart and he'll tell you that it's true. That's what you need to do with people in the rocky soil. They need to know what they don't know. But then as they move from there, they're into the thorny soil. These are the people that have not committed They may know it, but they haven't committed their life to follow Jesus Christ. And so over time, David would come to our house, and how do you encourage someone to make a commitment? You share your experience, your testimony, to encourage them to make a commitment of their will. In 1 Peter, it says, always being ready to share the hope that is within me. And so when David would come over, we would tell him about our experience with God. We could tell him how God provided for us, how God protected us, how God guided us. And as he starts to see how God is in our life, 
he starts to understand what God could be in his life. And it wasn't too long, maybe a month or so, David calls me up one day, and he says, can I come over to your house right now, and you tell me what I have to do to be saved? And he came over. We explained it to him. We knelt, knelt down on the living, my living room floor, and in a simple way, he asked God to forgive him and asked Jesus into his heart. And after that, I told David, I said, you need to understand what it means to be baptized. And I talked to him about the importance and significance of that. And I said, I want you to go home and you think about that next step. And you pray about it. And you let God speak to you. And it wasn't too long, maybe a couple of weeks later, David calls me up and he says, I have to be baptized. And I said, we can take care of that. And he says, you don't understand. He says, there's a farm not too far from my house. And it says, and they have a creek, and it's deep enough, and I've already talked to them, and I want to be baptized in that creek. And I want to do it on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And I said, David, it's late October. It's like 40 degrees outside. And he says, I don't care. That's what I want. He was ready to make a commitment. He was all in. And so I said, okay, we'll do it. And we went there on Saturday with me and some other friends, and it was cold that day. I remember I met his grandmother there. He must have invited her, and I bet she was praying for David all through this process, from the hard soil to the good soil. But it came 1 o'clock, and David's not there. And we wait, and I'm wondering what's keeping him so long. But eventually, after a few minutes, I see him coming across the field, and he's got two friends with him. And he comes up to me, and he says, these are my two friends. I told them about Jesus, and they want to get baptized too. Is that okay? And I said, okay. And I got to see three young men get baptized that day for the glory of God because we were willing to be on this journey as God was moving them from the hard soil to the good soil. And so what you need to understand that this is a process and this process takes time. Some people may move from here to there quickly. Some people may take years. Some people may take a lifetime. But we have to be willing to go out, recognize where they are, and we either show them, if they're in the hard soil, we show them through good deeds. Or we speak to them through the good news or we encourage them with a good testimony, all in an effort as Jesus cultivates the soil to bring them from here to there. You remember the uh, person I told you that Bill went and I went to see in solitary confinement. Uh, about three years after that, I was up at the prison, and the uh, chaplain, he handed me a letter, and he said, I want you to read this letter. And I said, okay. And I read that letter, and it was from that man and he had gotten transferred to Eddyville, the maximum security penitentiary in the western part of the state. And he wrote in that letter, while he was there, he got a Bible, and he started reading about God. And he shared the process, how other people got in his life, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. 
But then he writes to the chapel and he says, I'm writing you this letter because I want you to go thank those two men who visited me and prayed for me. You have to understand this process. You may only have a little part in it in somebody's life, but it can make a difference for all eternity. I read in a book that some people plant some water, but God gives the increase. And so I want to encourage you today that as you go out, you look and you see where people are in this journey and let God speak that to your heart and then you'll know how to pray for them and then you'll know what to do for them. Pray with me. Dear God, I thank you for this time we've had together. Father, I thank you that you can speak truth to our hearts. Oh, Father, give us a passion and a heart for people around us. Father, I thank you for your great love your everlasting love that draws us to yourself. Oh, Father, we just praise you for that. And Father, we praise you for the work you're going to do around us for your glory in Jesus' name. Now, if you've listened today and God spoke to your heart and you think, well, maybe I'm not in the good soil and you would like to know more about that and what it means to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you contact the church. You can do that through the app. You can do it through the website. But we would love to make contact with you. Or maybe there's something you want us to pray about or someone you want us to pray for. You just share that with us. We'd love to hear from you. You have a great day and a great week. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in with us today. Be sure you're staying connected by following NCC Lex on all social media platforms. Also, if you'd like more information on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, drop us a message on social or just shoot an email over to notes to at nccleggs.org. You guys have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.